This is a HeadGum Podcast. Welcome to Buckets Episode 4. It's mid-September. Tis the season. The pre-pre-season. The game free season, not the game three season. The calm before the storm, the odd before the norm, when three game slates turn to six, seven, eight for a brief few weeks like KG shrieks that anything is possible. Potential energy right now couldn't be greater, like a ball at the top of a stop and pop or a teardrop for a millisecond were frozen in time before any dimes have been recorded, no shots blocked, no chase downs pinned to no backboard, and for now, your team is tied with Golden State before love turns to hating and we spend days debating which player is subtweeting, reheating old rivalries that we kinda know and forgot about all at once. Who is Jamal Murray mad at again? The Pacers did it last year and the Heat the year before. Who's to say your squad isn't the one that pleasantly surprises and rises pundits' eyebrows with smizing exercises that rumors of your team's demises have been greatly exaggerizes? And if those misfits should get chin splints or in-team fighting causes role-player hiss-fits and trade machine scuttlebutt, well, worry not. The Tankathon maker, not the center in Milwaukee, but the one who rose like Rocky, causing Philly to finally jockey for playoff position once again, gives your losing plan a 10. Tune out the nonsense and trust the process and set your sights on Williamson. And if you should find yourself rooting for a team that's stuck in the middle of these two poles, not quite rock and not quite roll, a Sisyphusian myth that rivaled Socrates, the dreaded, treaded mill of mediocrity, 11th seeded and never undefeated, well, rest assured, there's always enough residual drama to go around. Because when you feast on storylines, knowing each day is a page of an epic poem to this member, just remember, it's mid-September, tis the season. The pre preseason. Let's enjoy it. My guest today is a comedian and an actor. He was the shrink on CISO's Shrink. He was on The Opposition with Jordan Klepper, Bajillion Dollar Properties, Drunk History, and most importantly, he was a little boy who grew up near Chicago in the 90s. Welcome to Buckets, Tim Baltz. You're getting bucket buckets. Oh, we're getting bucket buckets. <laughs> Do you know who that is? <laughs> no. It's John Wall. It is? Yeah. <laughs> he was getting, well, he was describing Bradley Beal as getting bucket buckets. <laughs> uh, so I'm sitting opposite you. You got the NBA shirt on. I do. I have my Bulls hat on. Bulls hat on. Uh, I just wanted to give us a little warm up just to like get us in the NBA mode, you know, because you got to like sort of transition your brain from talking about pleasantries to talking about basketball. We covered a lot of pleasantries before we started recording. Yeah. So but just so you know, we're politely caught up with each other. Yes. But now we want to switch gears. But us privately catching up together is not for the listeners. No. That's yeah. for us. <laughs> I'm not going to use that. That's for us. <laughs> All the shit you told me, the oh. crying, the tears, the frustrations, Whew. off mic. Thank you. Currently... This is what I need from you. And this is a tough one. Okay. But I'm, I want to throw it to you because I know you're a, a Chicago Bulls super fan. Yes. You got the hat on. So I'm looking at currently the roster of the 1998-99 lockout Chicago Bulls. You might have repressed this memory entirely. Yeah. So 97-98, Jordan, Pippen, Rodman, Phil Jackson all decide enough is enough. <laughs> And let's bring in the new crop. We got a lockout shortened year. The Bulls, you know who the coach was? New coach? Tim Floyd. That's correct. Tim Floyd. Jerry Krause's fishing boat. <laughs> uh, do you know the record? 50-game season? 50-game season. Uh, am I crazy or did they go 11 and 39? <laughs> Close. 13 and 37. What, let's throw out some names. Who you got? Uh, was Artest on that team? Uh, Rod Artest was not there yet. He wasn't there yeah. yet. 
Jamal Crawford. <laughs> uh, wait, was this the draft where we got Eddie Curry? This is even before even that. Even before that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, wait, 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 wait. We had... There were two players who were I are holdovers from the three-peat team. I'll give you that hint. Okay. Uh, three, actually. Three players that were holdovers. Okay. Four, maybe. Four. Yeah. Is Kukoc still there? Kukoc is still there. He's That's sticking around. the only reason they won 13 games. <laughs> <laughs> Tony's time to shine. And Tony was like, yo, I can win 13 games by myself <laughs> out of 50. And he did. And he did, 26%. All right, the holdovers. B- Judd Bushler? Uh, Bush is gone. Bush is gone. If you okay. can believe it. Randy Brown? Randy Brown is there. He's no longer hugging Michael Jordan on the court. He's okay. trying to hold his own. I think he might have been the starting point guard. Normal Town, Randy Brown. <laughs> Just the perfect name for Randy Brown. Yeah. Like, all right, we'll talk about Randy Brown later, but who else you got? Okay, let's see. Uh, Ku Coach, Randy Brown. I'm trying to think of who else. Uh, Some of these is, names are is, like, wow. Is Wennington still on the team? Bill Wennington is the starting center. Starting center. Okay. At a St. John's University. A Canadian in his 11th year, sticking around post-Jordan, post-Pippin. <sighs> yep. For, foreshadowing his future radio <laughs> career. Uh, and so one more one more holdover. One more holdover. I'm talking starting point guard, maybe, for the team that beat the Sonics. Um, oh, God. Maybe it was a shooting guard. Tall, tall, tall glass of water. Tall glass six of water. Six foot six inch. Ron uh, Harper? That's right. Hollywood Harper still in the mix. Oh, boy. Of they Miami and Ohio. Uh, that was a, the East was tough back then, though. Yeah. So I, I don't blame them. Because <laughs> after that, it thins out pretty fast. <laughs> so this is what we're, what else we're working with. We got a Dickie Simpkins sighting. Okay. We got a... He's a holdover. Yeah. He's a, oh, he is a holdover? Yeah, yeah. We got a guy named Rusty LaRue, which is a just a, a seemingly fake name. <laughs> <laughs> is it Kansas? Uh, uh, Kansas? Rusty LaRue is a Wake Forest kid. Wake Forest, okay. Uh, Andrew Lang, Journeyman uh-huh. Center. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mark Bryant, Keith Booth, Mario Bennett, Corey Benjamin, Brent Barry. Corey Benjamin, also, I think, a holdover. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, that's Corey Blunt. Oh, Corey Blunt was a holdover. <laughs> Corey Benjamin was a rookie out of Eric, Oregon State. Okay, well, well, there could be a book about this team because they went from so good to so bad so quickly yeah. that it, it was such like a, a mind fuck. I can't imagine what it was like to be a fan rooting for, I guess, the best team ever for three years. I, I mean, arguably, ar- arguably, definitely that 95, 96 team has to be in the conversation for greatest team of all time. Yeah. I, it, anytime you debate that, A, you're, you're pitting one era against another, one style of play against another. Yeah. Which but is hard. also defensive rules, how the game was played. To me, 72 and 10 in that era when you could actually touch people <laughs> on the court. <laughs> now you can't touch people anywhere, it's, it seems. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, yeah, show me on this NBA doll where you can touch people <laughs> on the court at least. Uh, all right, but let's, let's rewind a little bit. I wanted to just warm us up with that team. Okay. But your Bulls fandom started earlier than that. Yeah, my Bulls fandom. What's your earliest Bulls memory? Earliest Bulls memory is definitely... Of Jordan. I think I remember my cousins talking about the 63.86 playoff game against the Celtics. Wow, that's early. How old are you at that point? I'm five. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay. So, but I just remember it as a phenomenon because the Bears had just won the Super Bowl. That was the talk of all of the Chicago area. That's right. I never put it in per- like perspective of football at the time. And that team was still good, but then you had Jordan and everyone's comparing him to Walter Payton in terms of just sheer brilliance, talent, great potential greatness, you yeah. know. Yeah. Cuz Payton isn't done yet, but he's very close. Okay. So by the time 86, 87 rolls around, yeah. his stats get to get they start to get so gaudy. Because remember, he breaks his foot in his sophomore season. That's when he scores 63 against the Celtics. Got it. So he comes back for like the last, I don't know, 20 games or less, maybe 18 games in that season, and then uh, somehow pushes them over the edge to get the eighth seed. Because the the bottom few seeds in the East at that time weren't very good. Like a playoff push. Yeah. But Jordan, anytime people make LeBron Jordan arguments and they're like, like, look at his record. <laughs> look at how many times he got swept in the playoffs. Yeah. You ha- look at the teams that he got into the eight, seven, six seeds yeah. early in his career. They're dog shit. Do- more dog shit than the one LeBron dragged into the finals, though? 100%. <laughs> that team that LeBron dragged to the finals was second in defensive efficiency in the entire NBA. <laughs> and the East is crap outside of the Pistons, which he single-handedly beat. And the Pistons were on their way out in 07 already. Uh, so people, I don't even want to, we can't we'll get, get into that. We'll get there later. That's we'll get like, there later. Let's start at the top. That's episode 40 of Buckets, where I come back on and I just rage about LeBron Jordan. Because okay. it's not even a fucking debate. And don't get me started it okay. sounds like we are debating so no no <laughs> all right there's got to be like a beep and then yeah. it's back to me <laughs> at a normal yeah at a normal volume and you're like 17 minutes have gone by tim was yelling at me he was off mic in my face like grabbing my lapels yeah my we couldn't use it audio wise okay uh, so this is my first memory of jordan okay and larry bird obviously saying like you know jesus christ was on the court and it was michael jordan or, that's right or he's god or something like right that. so then I think Jordan's profile gets raised even more. He continues to lead the league in scoring, but then he picks up Defensive Player of the Year and MVP in the same season, which... When is this? This is the 87-88 season. Okay. Which is insane. Yeah. It's what's, crazy. What, what's the closest thing that's happened like that since? Since? Because uh, usually you choose one or the other. Maybe like a Kawhi Leonard who won Defensive Player of the Year and finished like second or third in MVP. Yeah, that's close, but he definitely wasn't leading the league in scoring by such a huge margin. Yeah, it's almost like if Kevin Durant played Kawhi Leonard defense. Yeah, and also led the league in in scoring. And Jordan's team is slowly getting better at this point. They've picked up Pippen, they've picked up um, Horace Grant, uh, Paxson is a fixture in the lineup, and I think think they've already traded Oakley for... Cartwright, or maybe it's the year before that happens. Uh-huh. But they're slowly climbing the ranks in the East, which they're is still assembling. Yeah, and they're the East is very good. Yeah, they're coached by Doug Collins. Phil Jackson's an assistant at this point. I don't know if they have Tex winners yet. Anyway, so that's my my memory is of that popping out. That's yeah. probably the first year that I started watching a ton of regular season games on WGN America. Uh, I love WGN. Oh man, that was such a weird thing. Like as a kid, I can watch any channel in LA, and also WGN out of New York. Like why <laughs> why did the WGN go everywhere? Was I, it just because of the Bulls? No, because most people watched. The Cubs were more popular than the Bulls then, even really? though the Cubs were worse. Really? Yeah, the Cubs weren't that good until 89. Then yeah, they, 
for whatever reason, I remember having like, I'm like, oh, it's 4.30 p.m. I'm done with uh, sixth grade. And there's a Bulls game on a channel. I'm like, I guess I'll watch the Bulls. It was like before NBA TV, before League Pass, I had WGN for whatever the fuck. I mean, they would, you know, they would show all kinds of things. And they had great like 80s show and 90s show reruns. But when Jordan started to get super popular yeah. and the Cubs did too, then all of a sudden you, you were watching that in, I guess, like after school time. And we were watching it in prime time. Okay. So your first... Do you remember your first, like, what season are you like, okay, every game I'm watching or every box score I'm reading about or I'm emotionally invested here? Probably, uh, so 88, I'm in first grade. I start playing YMCA basketball. And I, like, I grew up in Joliet, Illinois, which is a very kind of diverse town. It's about a third white, a third Hispanic, a third black. And I go to public school on the east side, which is kind of you know, by most outsider perspective, uh, the bad part of town. Got it. I'm not like, re- How- I'm re- I'm not rewriting history. I'm be- actually being kind of very nice to Joliet. <laughs> by I, calling it just the bad side of town. I, I love Joliet, but like the Chicagoland area savage is my hometown. Got it. <laughs> Wait, so how far is Joliet from Chicago? It's about a 45, 60 minute drive. Okay. But everybody is a Bulls fan at that point. In, yes. In Joliet. Yeah, totally. It's, Chicago swallows up the surrounding state almost. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of surrounding states, they loved the Bulls because of Jordan anyway. Yeah, because nobody's rooting for the Bucks outside of Milwaukee. Iowa doesn't have jack shit to root for. <laughs> Nebraska. Tim, Floyd, Tim Floyd's own. Yeah. Uh, all right, so, so 87, I, 88, 89. So I start to get into it, but I'd say 88, 89, I start getting like NBA preview magazines. Oh, yeah. And this is why, this is why I wear the shirt, oh, the yeah. NBA shirt, because I love the whole league. Yeah. But I'm obsessed with the Bulls. And at the time, Jordan was kind of known as a ball hog. <laughs> if you can believe if it. If you can believe this. And the knock you know, on his his entire like his entire persona is an asshole ball, ball hog. So <laughs> at the time to be known as a ball hog, okay. And and conventional wisdom, look, he's way better than the rest of his team, which is why he's hogging the ball. Yeah, there's a reason he's hogging it. Yeah. It's like Kobe in 2005. You want him to, it's like you want me to throw it to Kwame Brown? I want him to throw it to smush every yeah. once in a while. <laughs> Let him smush, baby. <laughs> so Jordan but, is there yeah, hogging the ball. Pippen and Grant are slowly getting better. Um, you've got like a handful of holdovers from those like worse 80s teams, and they're slowly leaving. Yep. And uh, Collins is getting better, and they're starting to maximize him. But he's known as a ball hog. So actually, my favorite player on those Bulls teams uh, was Pippen. Because I was, I was fascinated. Pippen was like so long; he could defend anybody across the court. Maybe he's more of the LeBron comp because he's like the six foot eight long um, defensive uh, stalwart. And do you? Because I, I look at LeBron and I think, oh, he's a combination of Magic and Pippen. Got it. But, yeah, height wise for sure. But but you know, the first like half of LeBron's career, he doesn't really have the killer instinct that Jordan does. So it's yeah. really hard to compare them. But again, we're going to lose 17 yeah. minutes <laughs> of me yelling at you. I don't want that. So uh, my first playoff memory um, of a series I watched in its entirety is the Pistons beating the Bulls and just Jordan rules the crap out of Jordan. And I, I, I was crying because I love that team and I hated the Pistons. They were a hateable team. Oh yeah, they they got off to being hateable. They did. They really they came to it. Is yeah. what you're saying. <laughs> Sexually, it was their come to Jesus hateful moment. Ooh. So yeah, 
coming. <laughs> Jesus, we're mixing some we nasty thinking? metaphors. <laughs> so you're hating the Pistons in 89, 90-ish. 89, 90. 90, they get close. I really thought they had it. They don't have it. And then in 91, they sweep the Pistons. Yeah. And the Pistons walk off the court in disgrace with yeah. 1.8 seconds left because they can't even face how badly they've been beaten. <laughs> Jordan, Is that a 4-0 sweep or a 3-0 sweep? 4-0 sweep. Um, and like, you know, Jordan is just deconstructing them, embarrassing them. Pippen has come into his own. Yeah. Pippen is really scary. Pippen knows. It's almost, I was always tracking Pippen's confidence on those teams. Yeah. Because yes, Jordan integrating the rest of the team, Jordan becoming more of a facilitator and a passer from the shooting guard position, which was kind of new at the time, was definitely the key to getting them over the hump in the East and eventually the Lakers in 91. But Pippen's confidence to me was if that guy believes they can win, they're going to win. Yeah. And he did. And he disrespected the Pistons <laughs> so hard. Is that that NBA jam? Like at halftime, they show like Pippen going around the back and dunking over someone. Is that the, is that the, that series, the yeah. Pistons or is that the Knicks? Uh, well, there's definitely a bunch over the Knicks. Yeah. The Knicks just became our whipping point. <laughs> and the Cavs were like, it was so sad when we beat up Mark Price and Brad Doherty <laughs> and Craig Elo. Yeah, you felt oh. bad for them. I yeah, because because I'm like you're a great regular season team. What fun to watch you! <laughs> so they were like the Toronto Raptors today. Got it. We were like great record, buddy. <laughs> Sixty three and nineteen. Looking forward to you just falling apart. <laughs> so are is the Bad Boys Pistons your saddest moment as a Bulls fan? Yeah, yeah. You're crying. Um, yeah, definitely 89 playoffs, 90 playoffs. I'm frustrated, crying, because I really do. It's hard to lose against a team that you f physically hate. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've had that as a Lakers fan. Uh, yeah, I had it when, around that age, when the Lakers were like in 93, 94, post-Magic, pre-Kobe. Yeah. They would like, they lost to the Suns in the first round. They were up 2-0 and they lost it. And, and those are like, fun Lakers teams with Van Exel yeah, and Eldon Campbell. James Worthy's still there. Yeah. So that was, that was our equivalent of the sad years during my adolescence. Those, those were tough. Those were really rootable teams. Yeah. And then is your happiest moment when they won the first championship? I think, yeah, the first one definitely, because they were an underdog. First team, Pe is that the first Bulls championship ever? Yeah, ninety ninety one. People forget they were an underdog going into that series. The Lakers had a better regular season record. Magic was super cocky. Worthy was cocky. They'd had a handful of injuries in the preceding years that made it seem like the Pistons and the Trailblazers had just kind of interrupted their reign over the Western Conference. Yeah. And they were healthy again. Yeah. So we had no reason to believe it was a lock. Right. And then... Who steps up? We lose the first game. And Why? it's like, uh-oh. <laughs> Shit, we don't belong here. And then just took over. And that's who? It's Jordan. It's, it's jo Horace Grant. Horace Grant, Pippen, BJ Armstrong off the bench, Paxson, Cartwright. Um who else do we have? Cliff Levingston, Stacey King. Wow. Those that's like teams. when the numbers were shiny on the back of the jersey. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Just the shiny black. Well, I don't know what they were using, like gaff tape on the jerseys. That's, all, that's my biggest memory of it. Simpler time. Yeah. Gaff tape industry making <laughs> loads of money. Cliff Livingston, number 53, right? Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Um, great, I, like great, great uh, mix of like veterans and and younger players yeah. that were just in service of kind of Jordan and Pippen and... And, you know, it really was like a two-headed 
monster. And then the the Blazers come up, and I really loved that Blazers team. They were kind of my West Coast team. Yep. I love Terry Porter, Kevin Duckworth. Um, didn't like Ainge. Who, <laughs> who does? Even his family members are like, yeah, we get it. We hate him. We're making fake Twitter accounts and dragging him online, and we're his family, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's like, what didn't his, like, oldest son dunk on him in some House of Highlights clip the other day? Really? Yeah. No, I gotta find that. <laughs> Oh, wow. Um, I wanted to, and this may not work, but I wanted to take a swing. Okay. I wanted to call one of the members of that 9091 team and get you to ask that person a couple of questions. Get out <laughs> of town. This may or may not work. Who? This would be BJ Armstrong. For whatever reason, I've linked up with BJ Armstrong. <laughs> He's a sports podcaster, just like I am now. Okay. And we have that in common. I asked him if he would... We could call him, answer a couple questions from Chicago Bulls superfan Tim Baltz. Wow. He's like, let's do it. Again, he's a busy guy. Yeah. I might call him, no pickup, no answer. Or I might call him and we could pick his brain for five to 10 minutes. What do you think about that? Um, you know, under normal cir- circumstances, I'd probably say no. Yeah. <laughs> but since we're here. <laughs> but since we're here, I got to say yes. All right, I'm going to try it. Ready? BJ. Yes. Hey, it's Amir, and I'm here with Tim Baltz, who is maybe your biggest fan. We wanted to know if we can ask you a couple questions, if you have five to ten minutes. Okay, I mean, can I call you back in like two minutes? Hell yeah. I'm just in the, I'm just in the bank right now, yeah. I just don't wanna, <laughs> I'm, just in, I'm in the bank, so give me two minutes. Um, just text me the number you want me to call you, and I'll call you right back on it. That's amazing. Thank you, sir. Okay, thanks, yeah. All right. Wow. Wow. Better <laughs> DJ in a fucking bank. You know he's cashing checks. <laughs> you know, he's cashing threes. <laughs> wow. Better than advertised. <laughs> that was awesome, That right? was incredible. <laughs> I talked to Stacey King for 15 minutes once. He was at an ATM. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, gonna, I went up to him. I'm going to give him your phone number. Really? He's going to call you. Wow. How do you like that? This is insane. <laughs> this is crazy. I promise I won't abuse that. <laughs> <laughs> Drunk dialing BJ Armstrong for the rest of your life. BJ. <laughs> I miss you, buddy. I love you. <laughs> uh, what are your thoughts on BJ Armstrong? Was he a formative part of your early childhood? Yeah, absolutely. He, I, You felt so comfortable with him coming off the bench, and then I think uh, he started um, He started in the 92-93 season, a yeah. lot more games, and so he was a fixture in the playoff lineup too. And he felt great because then Paxson was a dependable guy coming off the bench and BJ was, you know, he earned his place in the starting lineup. I didn't realize, one, I looked up that he didn't miss a game in like five or six seasons. Six seasons in a row. 82s. Yeah, you were right. You said he played 81 in his uh, rookie year and then he played six straight seasons of 82 games. That's right. And then also he was shooting like 45% from three. Yeah. Like Clay Thompson, Steph Curry numbers. And his... uh, I was looking at his stats after you mentioned that, and his two-point percentage was great, too. Right. And I remember him as kind of like a shorter pass-first guard, but... When we get him on the phone, you know, if he calls back... Of course. Do you think... Is it is it bad to say, okay, in 91-92, you shot 48.1% from the floor total? Yeah. What was a, a shot you remember from that season? <laughs> Do you remember... A shot? A shot? Just name one shot. I do. I mean, I do have... I'll try to get through these. I probably have... I have way too many questions, but... (laughs) It was kind of nerve-wracking calling him. Yeah, I didn't even speak. (laughs) 
Have you t- wait? Did you really get to talk to Stacey King? That's as, that's the closest you've gotten. I to- did actually. This is a this is a good Bulls anecdote. So, a couple years ago, I want to say 2014 or 2015, yeah. right before the season started. So I went through Second City in Chicago, and they do a lot of they do this stuff called Bizco um, jobs, which yeah. is business communications, right? Yeah. So they somehow get asked by the Chicago Bulls to help create a video that will play before right before tip off where uh, everyone's basically being told like, hey, please stay in your seats, be respectful of this or that. You know, it's just the common (laughs) protocol thing. Don't throw anything. Yeah. It's like the steward, it's like the airline steward or stewardess video when you're sitting before you take off for a flight. It's that. How to tie it up, put a seatbelt on. So they write this video where someone's at the piano (laughs) singing this song and Stacey King comes out and he's all smooth and he's like, hey, baby. Like, does he have a good voice? Yeah. And, and he's, uh, (laughs) and he's super nice. And it's just like, kind of like a smooth jazz kind of thing. So they put all that information in like this funny, smooth jazz video. Okay. Problem is, I don't play the piano. No. And I can't sing with the shit. (laughs) But hey, I want to fucking meet Stacey King. Two of my friends wrote it and they were like, you're the biggest Bulls fan we know. we we're railroading you into this bit and i'm like i can't sing they're like doesn't matter you'll be wearing a like a white suit a white hat glasses i look like a bad guy from indiana jones yeah and and so stacy king is there and then we get lunch and stacy king's there with his lady friend and um is stacy king there for all three of the first three pete yeah yeah because he's a rookie in like 89 yeah they pick him up in the first round in 89. Okay. And he, he was a great addition. Yeah. Um, he was kind of like Pippen's backup. He was more Levingston's backup. So like the four. He was the four. Yeah. Okay. And so we're sitting there eating lunch and I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to ask Stacey King, <laughs> see if he's up for this, you know? Sure enough, Stacey King just like opens up. Wow. 15 minutes. I ask, I'm nonstop questions. <laughs> I got my little, I'm a question master and I just nonstop. And he was so great and not brushing me off at all. He's going in depth (laughs) about all kinds of stuff. Yeah. That that should be the podcast, man. So now we got, it's like that, but with BJ Armstrong, less time and he's in a bank. Yeah. (laughs) But probably in his car, looking through his receipt, making sure everything was fine from the bank. Yeah. And you're like, in 1991... Uh, when you hit that quarter three in game two, do you remember feeling like that was awesome or like that you should have gotten more shots or whatever? He's like, uh, yeah, man, listen, I don't know, but thank you so much for watching. Um, thank you for watching. Let's go a little bit further while we wait for BJ to return. Okay, yeah. Uh, Jordan's so, retirement. What is that like Oh, you, fucking the first one. year old yes. The first one. Um, Were you it, like, uh, it was confusing. No. It, was, it was really confusing because his, his dad was murdered. That's right. And that really affected Bulls fans. You know, it's hard. There's no historical comparison to that. One of the greatest players, one of the greatest athletes of all time uh, in his prime, who's just basically conquered, you know, was, was after the second championship. After the second, before the third. Before the third. And he, his father's murdered. And, and the, you know, it took a, it took days or weeks for everything to get pieced together and you feel terrible for the guy, obviously, and and you're confused. And you, how could this happen to this person? Right. I mean, it's a tragedy whenever it happens, but how bizarre that it was the best basketball player of all time. And his father. And then there were all these rumors floating around. Yeah, like gambling debt. Yeah, and those no one wanted. That was at a time when 
when kind of the media didn't really substantiate those. Now you just go onto Twitter and everyone's like, here is my theory. <laughs> Please follow along. My 13-minute YouTube video will explain and break down. And it's just all logical fallacies. And, and, then, and then suddenly you have like 800,000 people who are like, seems pretty sound to me. It happened. Facts are there. So, so you're wrestling with all that and you're wondering, how is he going to react? Is he going to take time off? Yeah. But it's Jordan and he's so ruthless and he comes back with a vengeance in 93, but you can see there's something in his psyche that's hurt as, as you know, not that he's playing at a lesser level, but just how can you not emotionally be affected by that? Right. And so the 93 season, there's this odd cloud over it and- this is the Bulls Suns finals. Yes, yeah. And so then he gets to that finals and then there are legitimate gambling uh you know Stories. he he is staying up till all hours and I think he just didn't feel challenged in that playoff run. Which is weird because the Suns were probably the best team he faced in the finals. I would Or maybe they put up the biggest fight because Jordan didn't take him as seriously. I would well maybe. I mean, I I do think I think you're right. I do think that Suns team out of the 6 that they played is the best complete team with probably the the best player in his prime to compete with Jordan. Barkley was the clear number two. He carved through that Western Conference, which was really hard. Yeah, like 55 and 20, just like triple doubles with 40 points. He was just dominating. That three-pointer over David Robinson. Yeah, just first staring him like, down. Like he had no respect <laughs> for anyone except Jordan. Yeah. And he th- believed he could beat Jordan. Did he? He did. Because right now he doesn't. Now he doesn't, but he, they're coming off the dream team. That's right. And he's like, hey, I was the leading scorer for that dream team. That's right. I'm going into 93 with a full head of steam. I'm finally on a good team. He's got Marley, Kevin Johnson. Um, I mean, who else? Tom Chambers is coming off the bench on that team. Yeah. You've got Oliver Miller, who's just like this immovable force. Yeah. And I think Ainge was now on the Suns team. Yeah. Ainge is on that team. Richard Dumas came out of nowhere. <laughs> He coked himself out of the league, but he was like, he came out of nowhere. That team was deep, scary. Yeah. That was a scary team. And then we get in that series and Jordan's kind of like staying up till three in the four in the morning, gambling. They won the first two games in Phoenix, I think. Yeah. And then they had that triple overtime game in Chicago. Yeah. I remember I watched that at a girl's girl's house who had a crush on. And What uh, an awesome game that was. That was such a great game. So that was a scary series. You're getting a phone call. Put it speakerphone. Oh my God. Is it him? Hello. Hey, what's going on, buddy? Sorry about that. I was in the uh, in the bank there. So what's going on? Hey, no worries. So uh, I'm with Amir. My name's Tim Baltz. Um, you probably know me if you had CISO. If, if you didn't, don't worry about it. Um, but I grew up in Joliet, Illinois, a huge Bulls fan. Oh, okay. Excellent. Yeah, massive Bulls fan. I've been a huge fan of yours and all those teams my entire life. Okay. I would just want to ask you, I mean, a couple of questions as a Bulls fan to, you know, someone that I revered on teams that I absolutely made me fall in love with the NBA and the league. Okay. What's going on? Uh, well, all right. Let's start. Let's start with the uh, 91 series against the Pistons. At the end of that series, they walk off, you know, before the, the game, before game four is completely finished. And that was, you know, for a Bulls fan... That was the team that we hated the most, and you guys swept them, and it was exciting. And then they walk off against you. Did you guys feel that that was disrespectful, or was that part of the NBA like culture at the time? It wasn't disrespectful. Um, at that moment in time, there was a thing that was going on that you don't see much today. 
you didn't file someone hard because you wanted to hurt them. You filed them hard because you were trying to send a message. Right. And you know, that was the gamemanship of that era, right? So did we feel disrespected? No. That was part of the gamemanship. Right. Back then, you didn't go hug your opponent before you played them. You actually didn't like the Pistons, and the Pistons actually didn't like us. It was the gamemanship. You like you don't acknowledge. You just don't want to give the person a mental edge in any way possible. And mentally speaking, that was mentally as tough of a team that we've seen. And I've spoken to Isaiah Thomas about it. I've spoken to Joe Tumars and Rick Mahorn and all those people. And we got it. It wasn't personal. But the Celtics did it to them when, when the Pistons beat the Celtics a few years before. That was That's how the game was played then. Yeah. You know, it was, you were looking for the advantages, mental advantage, intimidation, uh, gamemanship. Those are all part of the game that you don't really see today. You know, like, you know, you trash talk today, it's a technical. You trash talk then, like, everybody did that. Right. right. <laughs> everybody had something to say. So it was just a different game. Yeah. And I just want to make sure that we understand that it doesn't make it a better or worse, but it was a totally different game then than it is now. Right. Are you saying you and Joe Dumars weren't practicing together in Miami in the offseason, taking videos exactly. of it, but, uploading it to and, Instagram? And, 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 exactly. Yeah. So, and that doesn't make it better, doesn't make it worse, doesn't make anyone more competitive or less competitive. That was just the environment that, you know, we played in. You know, it was like you didn't talk to the New York Knicks players before the game. Right. We all knew Charles Oakley, but... No one talked to Oakley. I, I knew Patrick Ewan, and I knew Greg Anthony and all those guys, and they knew me, but that was just the era in which we played in, and that was fine. Now, moving moving from that Pistons series into that first uh, final series with the Lakers, they I remember as a fan being told that the Lakers were the heavy favorite. Did you guys feel that, and did you feel going in, hey, we've got this, we can take this team, or, or was it one of those situations where you're it's your first time in the finals and you kind of don't know until you get there well look uh, let's be very clear magic johnson had already had five championships before we had one right okay but we also knew we had experienced players as well i mean john paxson bill cartwright michael scotty horace i mean you know they weren't like young second and third year players was there a point in that final series where you guys where it clicked and you realized, oh, we can win this series. You know, you don't get into a fight and all of a sudden figure out that <laughs> maybe I can win the fight. <laughs> I mean, before the fight, <laughs> you're probably going to get knocked out. So, uh, <laughs> Well, let me ask you one last theoretical question. And this is kind of, uh, this is something that I think was thrown at these Bulls teams once the Rockets won two in a row after Jordan's first retirement. Now, people will say, oh, that Rockets team would have caused matchup problems for that first Bulls three-peat championship. How did you guys feel about that Rockets team and your matchup? Well, first, when you have a great player, and we certainly had an incredible player on, on our side in Jordan, right? Whenever you have a player of that caliber, you feel that you always have a chance. That's all you want is a chance. Akeem Olajuwon was a phenomenal player. And Akeem Olajuwon, in and of itself, has the capability to win a series, just like a Michael Jordan has, or Larry Bird, or Magic Johnson, the great players of that era. So let's start there. Akeem Olajuwon, in a series, a series always takes on a life of its own. Akeem Olajuwon is going to make his presence felt on the offensive end and the defensive end. That's a fact. 
It's now, true. to what degree, <laughs> I have no idea. We'll never but know. I do know, yeah, but what I do know is that he was great enough to where we would have had to have done something. Something new. To counter whatever he was going to do. That's so right. This isn't a player that you're going to just say, you guard him one-on-one. No, yeah. you don't guard the, those players one-on-one. You don't guard, just say, Michael Jordan, Mike, you playing against Michael Jordan, you're just going to let him play one-on-one one all night. No, you got to figure out what you're going to do to counter whatever this great player is doing. Yeah, that's right. So we would have had to make some adjustments. We would have had to have done some things. And we had a great defensive player, Bill Cartwright, in and of itself. But I think he would have posed some problems. Yeah. Just like when I played against an Isaiah Thomas, Isaiah Thomas is going to make his presence felt That's, in the course of the game. Yeah. Michael, Isaiah Thomas is the is the last player, okay, to beat Michael Jordan in a series. That's right. And you have the game plan for these people. Yeah. I don't know what Akeem Olajuwon would have done or would have been their game plan, what have you, but I know it would have been a phenomenal, phenomenal chess match to play it would have been an incredible matchup to watch those two go at it and then how the teams would adjust as the as the series goes on we we asked for five to ten minutes of your time and you gave us a lot more than that so we appreciate it i just want to give you a chance to talk about your podcast i know you guys you're uh you're doing something over there yeah you know we, we have our podcast uh, in the key and uh, it's been a lot of fun and uh, it's, a, it's a lot of fun you know talking to you know whether it's entertainers other, you know, former athletes, current athletes, people in the business. And uh, so it's been great. So, you know, if you get a chance and you want some little entertainment where you're sitting in traffic or you got, a, you know, 35, 40 minutes to work out and, and uh, you know, just talk a little sports. Yeah. Talk a little music. We'll talk anything over there. And uh, it's yeah. fun. And uh, we just have fun with it. And uh, it's called In the Key. Uh, and I do it with my co-host, Jerrell uh, Brown, and uh, so we have a great time doing it, and uh, we never know who's going to come on. Awesome. Well, uh, we'll look forward to that, and thank you so much for talking to us. Yeah, as a, okay, thank you guys. As a huge okay, fan, I you. appreciate it. You, you're the best. Thank appreciate you, BJ. You. Thank you. Bye. Wow. The first. That was... How did the Rockets do against the Bulls in the regular season? I that's, feel like that's the closest comp. That's why it's the biggest what-if, right? So that they would play, you know, at that time, you'd play non-conference... Twice a, um, twice a year. Two or three times a year. Yeah. Three only if, uh, if the schedule just happened to work out that way. And I think that was one of the only teams that the Bulls were 500 or worse against. But you're only playing them once. Yep. You don't know if it's like, if it's, they usually would play them on the circus road trip. The circus would come to Chicago. It would come to the United Center. And so the Bulls would end up having sometimes up to 11 or 13 games on the road in a row. You ever go to that circus, by the way? Yeah, I did. <laughs> Good man. Uh, yeah, I mean, now I have, you know, ethical uh, problems with it. And I'm glad it doesn't come through anymore <laughs> for the bulls and for the animals. <laughs> for the bulls and the real bulls. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so sometimes those losses would come in the middle of an 11, 9, 11 game road trip. Yeah. And you're like, well, what are you going to do? You just, you beat the Spurs, you beat the Lakers, you played the Suns hard. Yeah. And then you got a back to back and you're playing the Rockets. Yeah. And you're resting so and so, you're resting a backup center. And so like Elijah's going to feast on you or, or, you know, they're on a three game homestand and they just had two nights off. Like, yeah, it's a schedule loss. You're yes. already coming up with the excuses for the hypothetical, which makes me really revere you even more as a Bulls fan. Here's another one, a little <laughs> bit of haterade that I'll drop on you. Jesus. Everyone talks about Jordan only lost to the Pistons and after that, uh, undefeated 6 0. Uh huh. You know where I'm going with this, right? The Magic? Yeah. Why 
Nobody gives the Magic any credit for beating Jordan. Is it because he was playing baseball four weeks before that? Yes. Is that not considered <laughs> Michael Jordan then? It's really not. 45 Jordan was definitely impressive in the sense that, that look at what he was able to do after two years off or a yeah. year and a half off. But He drops 55 on the Knicks and can't beat the Magic. Well, he drops 55, but he also, he was up and down. Like he didn't have any of the consistency that he had. And he didn't. He wasn't able to make his presence felt in the way that he was when he's in his prime or when he's a, a fully balanced Michael Jordan. So he'll drop 55 on the Knicks because, I don't know, he gets up and his shooting touch is back yeah. all of a sudden. But then he's also dropping like 19 against some other team and shooting terrible percentages. And, and that's coming and going. And yeah. so within the context of the series, he just didn't. The, he also hadn't played the Magic that during the regular season. So yeah. they, when they, he came back, he's like, who is this? team the right. orlando magic he hadn't game planned them at all <laughs> yeah. well yeah and and he hadn't really played against that level of Shaq. i don't think he'd played uh penny yeah really in in his prime so did the bulls ever go through the magic again? no yes the they magic- did the next year 95 96 they yeah. annihilated him <laughs> annihilated him and Sha- that's when Shaq and penny start to doubt their own their own confidence Existence. and their own supremacy in the yeah. Eastern Conference, and then they fall apart. They fall apart because Jordan destroyed them <laughs> so completely that they gave up. And that is why Jordan is so much better than any other great player of his era. Because he played with so many great players, yeah. and they all gave up. Okay, He ate their will to live. You're, you're stepping on my shoe, man. Get off me. I'm going to make you shorter than me by the time this podcast is done recording. <laughs> Uh, so who, okay, we're talking about Jordan LeBron. You say it's not even a comparison. Are we talking about that? It's, <laughs> this is going to get ugly and long and you're going to be late for your call. Do you think, do you think, do you think Kobe versus Jordan is a more apt comparison in terms of killer instinct, in terms of height, in terms of position played, in terms of, um, basketball prowess, amount of rings? Would you say that that is a more... A uh, worthwhile debate than Kobe than LeBron versus Jordan. Yeah, did you ever you ever read this old Ralph Wiley column uh, called "Good MJ, Bad MJ"? No. It was a comparison between Kobe and Kevin Garnett. Kevin Garnett was the good MJ. He sacrificed too much. He gave he gave too much. He wasn't selfish enough to demand what he needed from the Timberwolves from those teams to get himself over the hump in the Western Conference. And then this is this is written in like oh five oh six right. So Shaq has left, and we are getting exposed to the worst instincts of Kobe the terrible teammate of Kobe, the Kobe that doesn't have enough firepower around him, who you realize has been spoiled early in his career, whereas Jordan was not. Yeah. So Kobe is the bad version of MJ. Look, we all know he's a carbon copy. He he created himself in the likeness of MJ. <laughs> so he lacks an originality, but he does share that killer instinct. That's right. Right? But Jordan's upbringing through UNC, through the early Bulls teams, through Doug Collins, through Phil Jackson, he is is forced, and through the Pistons battles, he's forced to create an originality uh, that Kobe is allowed to copy. Okay. So Kobe can never be Jordan. So he'll always fall short five rings to six. Yep. And you can apply that kind of across the board. Yeah. He's not as good defensively. He's not as good of a passer. He's not as as good of a, or a rebounding guard. But he has the same killer instinct, and he ultimately figures out the way that Jordan does. I have to integrate my team in order to win these championships myself. So you, to you, Kobe is like 90% Jordan in his prime? Yeah, that's fair. Which is pretty close. You could argue up to 95% in his prime. Like yeah. In his, yeah, his prime, he had some inc- insane years. Yeah. All the 60-point games in that yeah. one season. And would you say Le- point game. LeBron is a percentage, or you can't even draw that comparison? Well, I don't know, because... What, LeBron's not done. What He's not done. 
which I can't wait for LeBron to straight up just go Moses Malone in the post. <laughs> Chapter four or whatever of LeBron's career, whatever we're in. Yeah, it'll well, be five at this point. Yeah, but when he's like 38 and he's just like, I'm just going to, I'm going to be a point power forward. He, he is the biggest from player the in the NBA. He's the, he's the heaviest player in the NBA, I think. What? Yeah, he's like 280 at this point. I don't know. Oh, at this any... point, in yes, like three yes. years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. dense as hell. Yeah, dense as fuck, just in the post. He might be, Lakers were already talking about playing him at center this year, yeah. let alone in four years. I the LeBron's, LeBron, we're not going to know, we don't have a historical perspective to put LeBron in perspective yet. Okay. Because I think that he, the game has changed so much over the last five years. Yeah. Definitely the last 10, yeah. starting with seven seconds or less with the, with Nash and the, and the Suns. That's right. And D'Antoni. So the, that style of play has exploded. Three and D pace in space, seven seconds or less. Give me my wings. Give me my tall, tall boys <laughs> just attacking each other. Everyone's switchy, six, switchy, eight or taller. A lot of switching, a lot of pick and roll. Yeah, that's. I, yeah, can you imagine like Bill Cartwright trying to guard like Steph Curry? That's. Not going to happen. Oh, I my God. Like he to... wouldn't break his ankles. He'd break his hips. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Very good. I love that. My hips. So bringing, bringing, bringing it all the way to the present, is it safe to say you've been rooting for the Warriors above the Cavs in the last four years? One, because you want uh, uh, LeBron to fail. You don't want him to even sniff that sixth ring because then the, the debate grows even larger. And two... You start to appreciate the greatness like you had growing up. Or is it like now you start feeling defensive where the Warriors are the best team in the NBA ever? <clears throat> 73 don't mean a thing without the ring. It doesn't. <laughs> Just like Tom Brady's 18-0 and 0 doesn't mean anything. <laughs> I, 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 I'll start with that 73-win team um, because I definitely think they, they went for the record. Whereas Jordan and the Bulls, were they were... They were good enough to win 75 or 76 games. They lost to the Raptors on an off night, the worst team in the league that year. That's right. They they weren't trying to beat 69. They were so good that they were like, well, we're going to beat it. They accidentally did it. They accidentally did it. Whereas they were like, we have to we have to beat 72. We're going for the record. Draymond's talking about it all season, right? Yeah. So they end up beating it, and that, that takes some of the soul out of it. But I held my tongue. No, you didn't. I, yes, I did. <laughs> Not right now. All right. <laughs> in now that, the tongue is in that Cavs Warriors se- series. I held my tongue until Kyrie hit that three, yeah. and time ran out, and I was like, "Hell yeah, they are nowhere close." The seventy-two win Bulls team is still the best <laughs> team of all time. And my friends were like, "You rope a dope dust." I can't believe it. <laughs> I thought you were rooting for the Warriors. I'm like, "Hell no, I wasn't." I was really? happy to get look. That was a monumental effort. The Cavs had no business winning that series. Draymond's nut kick and getting suspended for a game absolutely makes it possible. But those are the bounces of the balls, you know. Nice, but still <laughs> very nice. But like that. I, I had a lot of respect for LeBron with that. I think the decision in 2010 was disgraceful. Uh, <laughs> I think it was awful. Witness went from we went from witness to quitness. Nice, very nice. Um, and I and and like that changed the tenor of the NBA. It changed the loyalty that we expected from athletes with their with their chosen teams or their hometown teams. Right now, some will argue that's for the better. We've had far more changes to the games in terms of three point shooting, uh, deficiency, uh, like defensive rules, et cetera, et cetera. At free agency, now people are all about their personal brand and marketing as players, which Jordan started. So you can't be too upset about. <laughs> I think the league's in a great place, which is why I wear this NBA shirt, which people will see in the picture before they click the link in the bio. It's just a straight-up NBA basketball generic tee. I bought it at the NBA store in Manhattan, New York City. Ever heard of it? 
Uh, so to you, obviously, MJ the GOAT. MJ the GOAT, LeBron the two GOAT. Oh, really? But You're bringing him in number two spot. I, well, I think he's, I think they're 1A and 1B right now. Interesting. I think that LeBron could surpass or fall below, depending on how the rest of his career goes. This is, this is news to me because he's just spent the last hour in change telling me how LeBron isn't even close. I did not do that. Yeah, you said MJ had this and MJ had that and six rings versus five for Kobe, let alone three for LeBron. Look, LeBron is more of a Pippin than a Jordan. I said LeBron's a, a mashup between Pippen and Magic because of his skill set and, yes, his hot, hot body. So, <laughs> so you're telling me LeBron wins two or three more rings uh, for his career. You might be willing to put him above MJ? Not put him above, but y- y- you'll get into a stalemate situation. Right now, I, d- I still don't think we're in a stalemate. I think LeBron fans will say he's either better or we're in a stalemate. Yeah. And I respect what they bring to the table with that. But you have 6-0 and oh in the finals – People will shoot holes at the unassailable comebacks that Jordan fans have. Yeah. 6-0 in the finals is unassailable. You, you can't tell me that eating the heart out of every elite player for like over a decade in the NBA, which Jordan did, and making them seem worse by comparison because of how badly he stomped them. Yeah. Compares to LeBron being three and five, three and six, six, three and three and, yeah, three six, and five, three and five, three I already and six. Forget. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even remember. Well, I he's, think it is three and six now. Well, he's he's been nine times. Yeah, he was eight in a row. Three and five, line. three and five, and then one and three. So he's four and no, he's three and six. Three and six. Yeah. So let me tell you this, or let me ask you this: Is six and six in the finals more or less impressive than six and zero? Oh? Wait, if you if you go six and six, so if he if he wins out, if he goes twelve times and wins six, is that more or less impressive than going six times and winning them all? Uh, well, I hate to not give a definitive answer. It it's, depends what you care about. Like, that, in that sense, he, he. What do you care about, Tim Boltz? Six and zero, oh, man. The magic. <laughs> the idea that the idea that Jordan would start like you were never in doubt. And yet you had doubt. And then anytime you doubted it, Jordan would do something that you'd never seen before and elevate his game and his team above a formidable opponent. And then all of a sudden you're like, everyone is gunning for him. And he never loses. Yeah. The magic that it takes, especially in like the last two jazz series, those teams were machines and they were coming for him and they knew how to beat those Bulls teams and they matched up really, really well. And Jerry Sloan is one of the greatest underrated coaches of all time. And they couldn't, beat him jordan just kept finding some extra gear some extra thing defensively offensively like as a facilitator as a motivator isn't there a world where the warriors for whatever reason the 30 dominoes that had to fall to create this potentially best team ever yeah if that doesn't happen isn't there a world where lebron's 4-0 in cleveland and he's won six titles and then he's the same player with the same skill set and the same talent but just the circumstances around him caused him to be six and three instead of three and six. And then people are calling him the greatest player of all time when in fact he's just as good as he is in this reality. Um, so basically the the opposite side of that is Jordan loses a bunch, uh, but he's still just as talented and amazing of a player. And so we downgrade him <laughs> because of that. No, we, we keep Jordan where he is, but we consider LeBron better because of the circumstances. I'm saying if Le- if Jordan was around today and he faced a team with Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, Kevin Durant, I don't know if are you as confident that he'll do any better than one in three in the finals against that team? Well, here's what I would say: with my last breath, uh, a- after someone 
uh, has has held me down and stared in my eyes and tried to take the life from me, <laughs> I would say uh, Jordan played under more difficult circumstances. And I'll die on that hill. <laughs> I'll die on that. That will be episode 40 of me just like yelling <laughs> constantly. You think the NBA is easier now? Uh, if you're not on the Warriors? I think that if Jordan played in today's NBA, he'd average like 45 points a game. <laughs> I, I think he'd destroy everybody. Because of hand checking, because of illegal D. Those things are so underrated as obstacles. Yeah. <laughs> They're so underrated. And like LeBron, Le, no one has ever been able to headhunt LeBron. Jordan's mentality was created <laughs> through that, through like Rick Mahorn, through, you know, Robert Parrish, through these like, these giant people just being able to destroy him. him. Yeah. As BJ said, you had to develop a mid-range game because they would they would literally hurt you and not even think it was hurting you. <laughs> think it was sending a message. Yeah. The mentality there is so bizarre. He he's like, we weren't trying to hurt them. We were trying to send a message by hurting them. Huh? How twisted is that logic? And LeBron has never been able to do that. LeBron's always been able to lower his shoulder into his opponent and not have an offensive foul called on him. Yeah. That also was not possible back then. If Jordan wanted to retaliate by lowering his shoulder, man, that was the first thing you'd hear. You can't lower your shoulder. Right. It was just accepted that that physicality was part of the game and he would have to endure that and figure out a way around it. That's never been an obstacle for LeBron. And so he's been able to get bigger and bigger and no one's been able to touch him. Yeah. He's also like, who's going to, like, is, he's bigger than Bill Ambeer. Yes. Is but Bill Ambeer going to hurt LeBron or is LeBron going to score an and one, look at his fucking bicep and yell at the front row because... <laughs> He's a specimen. That, but he plays under circumstances where he's allowed to do that. If he, if if someone in Jordan's era had done that, yeah, then Carl Malone's going to put stitches in your eye, just yeah. like he did with Isaiah Thomas. Even Carl Malone developed a mid-range game, and he was fucking yoked as all hell. He was. Yeah, he was like six nine, two seventy five. Yeah, but as you know, he had to take off Sundays. <laughs> The mailman doesn't deliver on Sundays, baby. Very nice. <laughs> very, very nice. I, I, the, 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 to back to your original question of this of circumstances. I think that I am, as an MJ defender, as a lover of those Bulls teams, and the, the almost like the, the very real mystique that they put into the league and definitely their own fan base. You can't deny what they did because they won so consistently, and through so many different circumstances and types of opponents that continued to learn about them and try to adapt in order to defeat them, and they defeated those people despite that. I think I've, and again, I'm wearing the shirt because I'm a fan of the league, um, <laughs> but I think that I the eras are all different, and so what we're witnessing now is so different. We have to have respect for what LeBron has done. I, I have grown to appreciate LeBron so much through his losses in these finals, mm -hmm. through the adversity that he's faced. Because you remember that last year with the Cavs in 2010. Yeah. Man, a lot of people say he just quit. Yeah, They could have beaten the, the Celtics. And the rumors were like he did. He never wanted to face Kobe in the finals with an inferior team. I don't believe that. I do. You, you think he threw the series because he didn't want to play Kobe in the finals? No, I didn't say that. <laughs> yes, he did. But... Unquestionably, in game six of that Celtics 2010 Celtics Cavs finals, he wasn't trying his hardest. He was not trying his hardest when we had seen him single handedly beat harder teams like the Pistons. Yeah. You know? 28 straight, 27 straight, whatever it was. Yeah, 25 straight in the fourth or whatever. Yeah. And, and like, I, I had never seen that from Jordan. 
Jordan so, and kind of like Kobe, they don't have the give up. Like, uh, Kobe, Kobe Kobe gave up in game in fourth quarter <laughs> of a of a finals game. I, I think like I'm looking around, everybody's walking, and Kobe's sprinting, maybe just to rack up his point total. But it doesn't seem. But like... that fourth quarter where all he did was pass and they lost. <laughs> this is against Boston. Yeah, I don't remember that. I've, I must have suppressed that. You must think. have suppressed it. Yeah. But to me, that early in LeBron's. But this is what's so remarkable and amazing about LeBron. These criticisms are levied against him. He goes to Miami. He works on his game. He works on his image. He comes back to Cleveland. Like, LeBron has grown as a person. MJ came into the league more grown. Yep. MJ had different factors as a person, as a member of a family, as a member of a collegiate family, um, and then as the face of a franchise at the bottom of the Eastern Conference where he had to work up and defeat and like defeat all these obstacles one by one. It felt like a movie a little bit. It or did. a video game. LeBron pretty quickly is toward the top of the Eastern Conference. He comes in under different circumstances. He comes in very young. He used to chew his nails for like the first four or five years. Remember? Yeah, he used to suck his thumb at the free throw line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but anyone's got their like quirks to help them make free throws at a higher percentage. Yeah, like Hornacek used to rub his cheek. LeBron used to suck his thumb, and that's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's totally fine. <laughs> you know, Hornacek was waving to his kids, and I don't know, LeBron was just like trying to calm himself, I guess. <laughs> Why do you suck your thumb? <laughs> to calm yourself, Amir. Very nice. So I I am so impressed by by the journey LeBron has, has gone through and where he's at now. I, I think it's incredible. I think it is... Look at how look at how outspoken he is on social issues. Yeah, do you respect that more than because MJ is kind of the opposite in that regard? Republicans buy shoes too. Well, no, that's a false that's a false quote attributed to him that Sam Smith wrote to gin up controversy. So you, you don't think there's any? Oh, so Jordan never said that. Jordan never said that specific thing. Sam Smith alluded to that, and that's a false quote. Got so, it. So, but but do you Jordan, think there's any truth to that message? I think that Jordan didn't feel the need to speak out in that way, and I think that Nike protected the hell out of him. I think journalists protected the hell out of him. I, I think, just don't see Jordan at a Hillary rally. Uh, no, but I I also I also don't think uh. You know, Donald Trump existed as a candidate during Jordan's time. <laughs> but he does now. He does now, and Jordan's not as much in the spotlight. I, what, what, what impresses me more about LeBron is that he is outspoken. He's more outspoken than Jordan, and I think if you weave that in socially, I, I don't think that total global effect. Yeah, and and what LeBron is willing to speak out about, I don't know. I'm so I'm happy that LeBron is there. I think. That Adam Silver plus LeBron plus a, a slew of other great players that are socially conscious right now make the NBA the best league in the world. I agree with that. Hey, I love talking about it. That's why we had you on the show. We've been talking for over an hour. I mean, it's just fun and easy. And it isn't talking about basketball and playing basketball and watching basketball. It's all the best. Shooting basketball, passing basketball. I love the basketball. The fundamentals, the showmanship. It's so good because it's so fun and it's so friendly and it's so accessible. And people are on Twitter and they're on Instagram and they're on your TV. It's a lovable league. It's There's camaraderie in the league. That's right. And the whole league is fun to follow uh, because it has so many storylines. Even if parody is a little lower because of the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. I wear the shirt to represent... What the ideals of the league are. Every fan counts, whether you're a Memphis Grizzly aficionado or a Miami Heat season ticket holder. <laughs> what will the Wizards do this year? <laughs> well, I wanted to talk about, even for a little, because yeah. I, I don't want to leave, uh, I don't want to let you go without 
you at least give me a 90-second take on the Bulls starting this year. Is optimism a little bit higher than it has been in the last couple of years just because of maybe Laurie Markkinen or something like that? I'll get excited about him. Okay. I'll get excited about Chris Dunn. I'll get very excited about Wendell Carter Jr. Okay, so you're seeing the young, young, young Bulls. Carter and Markkinen I'm super excited about. This is better than the Eddie Curry, Tyson Chandler <laughs> situation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So sell me on the Bulls this year. Um, I think watching Mark Kanan, watching Wendell Carter Jr., who's a workhorse, who's like such a sneaky, great rebounder shot blocker. I think he's going to figure out offensively what he offers. He comes in as a pretty polished product. Chris Dunn, a lot of people are saying that that the Bulls got the better part of that Chris Dunn, Zach Levine, Jimmy Butler trade. Interesting. Very interesting. Uh <laughs> I guess they both fulfill the needs of the teams at the time. They do. Look, the Bulls didn't need to win 33 games last year. They needed to win 24. They did. And they and Chris Dunn and Zach Levine on an ACL injury helped them do that. They did. And getting rid of Miritich helped them do that. That's right. And Bobby Porter's coming off the bench, not punching any of his teammates <laughs> in the face. Could be really good. And, uh, I, you know, I think Hoiberg is... Um, <laughs> At first, seemed like Tim Floyd 2.0. Yep. Uh, Down to I, the University of Iowa pedigree. Yeah, or Iowa State. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. And and I I, I thought that at first because it's like, oh, out with uh, this old team that had promise and in with uh, these saboteurs. <laughs> <laughs> that to, may or may not have promise. Yeah. <laughs> to help us get higher draft picks. And, and I don't look at them this way now because I see these young guys having promise and I think that Hoiberg can speak to them better than what was remaining from the old team which yeah. was obviously disenchanted that this like sabotage job was coming in yeah <laughs> uh, but I'll I'll root for them a lot I'm way more excited about them this year than I was last year are you still rooting for the tank um accidental tank I mean yeah I'd exciting like exciting losses I'd like for them to not make the playoffs <laughs> 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 From a draft perspective. Yeah. But, you want them in the lottery. You want Zion Williamson maybe in a Bulls jersey next year. He'd fill it out, that's for sure. That's a big boy. He I, I think they'll I think they'll fight for like the eight, nine, ten spot. Yeah. Sadly, because they always kind of overachieve because that's the nature of the city. Is yeah, to even try to last fight. year they won like eight of ten out at some point. Everyone's like, What are you guys doing? Yeah. Stop winning these basketball games. Yeah, look at the Sixers. Yeah. Just, Shut trust, these guys down. And trust the process. Say that uh, someone lost their jumper and their yeah. confidence. <laughs> Just send Figure the, it out. Yeah, send them to Bermuda for a month. Anybody or can like have that. back spasms. That's it's unquantifiable. I've got them right now. Yeah, I see the way you're sitting. It I, is a little upright. I mean, when you finally wrap this up, yeah, I'm gonna be honest. Yeah, it's because of my spasms. Foam, foam roller. It. Uh, being a Bulls fan is so interesting. I need to have you back because. There's just large, like, we didn't even talk about Derrick Rose. Like, they had the best record in the NBA eight years ago. I don't want you to get into it now. I want to, <sighs> let's make this a two-parter. Let's make it a five-parter. Let's let's have a cliffhanger. Because there's still so much to talk about between Eddie Curry and Derrick Rose uh, that we just glanced over. I'll, I'll come in fully loaded with that. We could also talk about the second three-peat. Um, That's right. We didn't even talk about the second we'll have We'll have an episode where okay. we just talk about the league, baby. Okay. <laughs> just talk, the league. We talk about player faves. That's right. Teams that should have won it all that didn't. I love that. Uh, There's yeah. just so much to talk about. It's so fun. There is. Uh, Thanks for having me on Buckets. Dude, thank you for coming on Buckets. It's my thank pleasure, and I think it's been very nice. nice. <laughs> <laughs> That was a HeadGum Podcast.